You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. Everybody, it's episode 253 of the Pimcron Warhammer podcast, and today we've got another weird format. Sometimes we like to change the format on you, and we don't have a real talk, or rather, we do have a real talk, but it's actually a Tesseract mailbox. Does that make any sense? Hopefully it does. So the last episode, we had a lot of response from the possibly controversial statement of me saying that I'm just like legitimately not going to play wax anymore, uh, whack players, or if I do, I'm going to change the format, make it a Highlander or whatever. Well, I got a lot of response from people um, agreeing and disagreeing with me. And that's what we talk about in the Tesseract mailbox. So technically we do not have a real talk, but we have a very, very long Tesseract mailbox where I read their comments and their emails, et cetera, et cetera. So, then we also are covering some named lady, Imperial Guard Captain from Black Library, uh, I forget her name, and that model came out, whether or not we want that. Um, I need to tell you that we are brought to you today by GameAt.eu for pre-painted resin terrain, neoprene mats, STL files, and it's Event 10 for 10% off your order. And we've also got PanHandle3D.etsy.com and... Uh, PH3D15 off is 15% off your order there. And uh, they do actually printing out the models and the train. And uh, they also do all sorts of laser engraving and custom combat gauges and dice trays and all that stuff. So go check them out. And who could forget the Patreon patrons? You guys are great and you're very generous and I love you all. So uh we actually have um patreon patron grendel writing in as uh two of the test rack mailboxes he was so fired up oh my god he was mad and he he emailed twice that's not entirely or even partially correct but he did con i did feature him twice in the test rack mailbox so what have i been up to uh, just making it through my busy season at work um it's it's much much more doable than it ever has been in the past so that's nice and um working on my article still and uh you know this week was just weird like one night the uh air conditioning stopped working and uh started leaking in my ceiling of my house so that was cool we had to stay up late and fix that and then the other night uh the night before that power went out because we had some storm and we were powered out for like three hours and we're sweating because it's hot so that's cool and then uh my air conditioner was leaking in my gaming shed for uh because the condensation line was full so that was cool i had to fix that and now my air conditioner is not working in my gaming shed at all and my brother thinks it's low on refrigerant so we got to fix that now so it's been four separate occasions in the last seven days of like weird power outage or air conditioning issues or what it's just been very odd so um i have not been doing a whole lot in my shed because it's quite warm out there and the air conditioning is not working so, um, I've been still working on my War Games Illustrated article. I'm almost finished that. And I have not done much on uh, the settlement mode this week. Uh, sometimes I just have to take a bit of a break off because, you know, I, I tend to overdo it and then I get worn out and then I don't want to do it for a week or two and then I get back into it. So, I guess I'm just in a lull. Um, I also discovered um, Lunar 2 Eternal Blue, which is one of my childhood games on PlayStation 1. And um, I discovered that again. I've been playing that with my kids and I've actually enjoyed it quite a bit. So I don't know if I'm actually going to try to beat the game or not. But in my free time, I've been playing some of that. 
So I think that's about it. Um, what did I do this week at the gaming club? Well, uh, I was supposed to have Nick and James over today for the um, for to play Brutality in my shed, but the air conditions broke, so we can't uh, do that. So I had to cancel on them. But at the club, I played four games of Brutality with my friend Connor. He's been busy with school. Uh, he's getting his bachelor's or something like that in physical therapy. So he uh, has been very absent in the last six or eight months from the gaming club. So I, um, we played Brutality, and we played some co-op stuff. We played some Versus stuff. He beat me by two points in the first game, and then I beat him by, like, one point in the second game. And then we did some co-op games, and we won them, and we playtested some settlement mode stuff. Technically, playtesting is working towards settlement mode, but um, then what was it? Oh, the last game. The last game was a settlement mode co uh, combat mission, but uh, it was very, very interesting. There was some stuff that was like 100% not likely to happen, but it did happen. Long story short, we were uh, tied for points in the very last game. And I had two people with only one hit point left. So he actually had the upper hand. And he was going to run around with a zealot and just kill one of them and get the kill point, right? He had two time slips, which if you don't know, can make a failed hit into a pass, a failed save into a pass, a failed charge into a pass. It can guarantee something was a success. Well, he had three wounds, or three hit points on his character. He was at full hit points and he had two time slips. So he got a little cocky and he charged my, uh, my melee person. And she only had one hit point left. So uh, the odds are is that he's going to kill her very easily. And then she is not going to kill him. If she does do something to him, it's going to be inconsequential, right? So he charges in and he whiffs all of his attacks. So being cocky, he's like, well, I'm going to use my time slips and make my attacks hit. So he does that. And I critically save um, my save rolls for this woman. I'm going to make a correction real quick. He only had two hit points left, okay? But he had two time slips and all that. So he fails his hits. He uses his time slips to hit me. I critically save them. I strike back with my two attacks. I hit with both of my two attacks. And he saves one of them. So my, my one un unsaved hit on him deals a, a hit point, And that brings me down to my wound chart roll. I'm hoping for a wound chart roll of a 10 to be a critical wound so that it does the last damage on him, right? Well, I roll a 9, which is a bleeding. Well, this is the last turn of the game, so that's not going to help me with bleeding because he bleeds on his next activation, which doesn't happen because we're on the last turn. So my ally was within 3 inches of this this enemy, so I can re-roll the wound chart roll. And I'm like, okay, I gotta re-roll it into a 10. So I took my 9, I re-rolled it, and I got a 10 and executed the guy, and that that won the game for me by one point. And it's, it's so funny how we were so sure that he was gonna win with all the time slips and all the attacks, and he had more hit points than me and all that, and I managed to save his stuff and then turn around and murder him and get the point and win. So it was a very, very dramatic, very fun game that we had. Anyway, let's get on with the rest of the show. Want that or want that not? This is Want That or Want That Not, and today we're covering Minkalesque. Who is that, you ask? Well, I didn't know either until I read the little blurb on their website. So she's a new model, 
She's from Black Library. Um, she's apparently the star of some sort of book series in Black Library. She's an Imperial Guard captain. And this is a model that um, you can build her several different ways. Apparently, you can build her as a white shield, which is the... Um, is that a conscript or a brand new guy? Is that a rookie or is it a conscript? Not sure. But anyway, uh, you can build her as a white shield or you can build her as a uh, captain. So she is um, she's a woman and she's in guard attire, specifically Cadian. And there is um, like a piece of chaos something on the ground. There's a dead guardsman skulled helmet on the ground. She's stepping up on a rock. She's got uh, Cadian armor on. She's got little pouches and stuff. Her outfit seems very realistic. It seems very... I love that they've put these little knee pads in the Cadian people now. Um, I don't know if they used to be like that when they were in, in metal or not, but the previous version of the Cadians did not have those knee pads. So I really like that they've added the knee pads here. And um, her whole suit and her whole model and her face and everything looks very, very realistic. So I really think that's cool. And um, there's really not a whole lot to say about her. With she's holding a bolt pistol, she's got a power sword, and she's kind of like leading a charge sort of thing. She's got a bandage on her forehead, like she's been injured, but she looks like she's fighting her way through it. And um, overall, the model looks pretty neat. Um, for forty dollars, though, I'm kind of on the fence about this one, and the reason why is because I do like her pose, I do like the model. If she's a captain, I guess sure. Like um, you know, I, I guess they probably go for forty bucks anyway. Unfortunately, I don't see anything particularly interesting about her. Um, you know, she could just as easily be a male captain. And if he was in the same pose with the same stuff, I'd be like, eh, he's all right. Just like she's all right. She kind of looks like Sarah Connor is what he lo she looks like. Now, if she were Sarah Connor, I'd be way more into this. But uh, unfortunately, she is not. So I do like the idea that supposedly that uh, she comes with, it says... Uh, comes with loads of options, right? So she, I see a power sword and a bolt pistol. And they've got the sprue here. And she does come with two different heads, which is actually pretty neat. She comes with two different heads. One's bandaged. One uh, has like a uh, like a calm thing on there, like she can talk to somebody. And uh, one of them has a bolt pistol and a power sword. The other one has a pointing finger and, well, I guess the other one would be a bolt pistol. So you could do bolt pistol and pointing finger, or bolt pistol and power sword. You've got two different head options, and then you've got just her running with a uh, las gun. Now, I really like the idea narratively that they're doing, hey, you can, apparently she, you know, appeared in those versions as a white shield, as a captain, whatever, in the Black Library books. And I think that's really, really cool. I think that's a totally cool idea. My problem with it is that who would ever spend $40 to build this woman as a white shield? Like, legitimately, who's going to do that? I mean, I get it, you know, female guardsmen, whatever, that's kind of cool because there's not many female guardsmen, whatever. But 40 bucks for that? I mean, you basically, even though they give you the option to make her a white shield, you're going to take her as a captain because... It's just, that's what you have to do to make it worth $40. So, uh, I'm very lukewarm to this model. I certainly don't think it's a bad model. I mean, it's it's perfectly 
adequate in every way. I just don't see how it's super exciting. Um, it's kind of cool to have a female commissar, I mean, a uh, captain. So that's kind of neat, but not really feeling it. So if it were like 20 bucks, I'd be like, yes, definitely. This is really cool. Uh, the model is just okay, but the price would be worth it for 40 bucks. I'm like, dude, I can find a dark Eldar head and put it on a regular commissar. I mean, because if you're, she's, she does not have boob armor, right? She doesn't have boob plate armor. So given that she's legitimately just a dude, she's the body without the head is just any old commander or captain, whatever she is. So I don't really see the point like, oh, it's a woman, right? There's, there's nothing special about it except for her head. Well, I could just buy a captain or whatever and then swap heads or I, I just don't, I don't hate this model. And I do like the idea that they gave it, the White Shield gave it the Captain versions. No one's going to take the White Shield version. So that's kind of pointless, right? That's a moot point. So 40 bucks for her is just okay. Personally, am I going to get this? Absolutely not. Because I just, it's 40 bucks and that's a ridiculous price for someone I don't even know who she is. Now, if you read the Black Library novels and you really like her, okay, that would that would be a definitely a want that for me if I liked her and I read the books, which I don't. So, she's just some woman to me, and um, model is totally fine, but not worth 40 bucks, which is the same thing I would say for the male counterpart. It's just, I don't know, I would rather just kitbash my own or something for 40 bucks. Seems like a, a bit of a, a price hike for that. So ultimately, I can definitely see how you may want it, but it's a want that not for me. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey everybody, it's the Tesseract Mailbox, and today we've got lots and lots of correspondence with you guys. A bunch of listeners have contacted me about my last um, real talk, about me not really wanting to stomach playing competitives anymore. I'm just basically sick of it, and I would rather just give up, either change the format of the game, like play a Highlander or something like that, or just give up and go, nope, not playing you, sorry. And then we could just sit there and awkwardly stare at each other because I'm just I'm just basically done at this point with that type of player. So I've got lots of emails to go through. Let's start with Jonathan, who is uh, one of our Shorehammer buddies. And I believe he wrote in last week and he writes, Dearest Kron, I am totally on board with you about how our hobby time being limited and precious. And as a result, we are allowed to be discerning when we choose how we use it. Admittedly. I'm a little more competitive-minded, I guess you could say. I am deliberate in how I build my lists and take mission rules and objectives in mind. And then, at the table, I always seek to play a tight game, making as few mistakes as possible, while also advocating for my opponent so that they can make their decisions with the best possible knowledge of the game state. As you say, games are a shared experience. Our opponent isn't a computer program always ready to be humiliated for our enjoyment. This harkens back to the categorization of gamers along the competitive X casual spectrum, but I've never thought that was the fairest assessment tool for how much fun a player would be as an opponent, because it is about how fun the game will be, not whether or not you lose. In a pickup game slash non-tournament setting, I have 100% either stealthily avoided players or straight up told a player that I wasn't interested in playing that type of game, quote-unquote. I used to consider myself a more casual, but I don't think that was ever really the case. I pour over my codex entries looking for neat combos and ways to make bad units that I like work on the table. 
I would scroll through 1d4chan learning what other armies were capable of so I wouldn't be surprised in a game. The only thing casual about me was my self-imposed collection slash list building restrictions. I won't chase the meta with my hobby purchases because that is a waste of money. And I like to build all comers lists with lots of different units. Personally dislike spam, which is one of the reasons I naturally gravitated towards the Highlander format at Shorehammer. So back to the topic, I eventually played against that player who fielded really tough lists that I had flat out told I wouldn't play. It was an amazing game. It was tactically challenging, and I learned so much. Naturally, I lost, but I made it to turn 3, which was an achievement against this player at that time. The player was really appreciative of our match and said that I was a good player. You mentioned fear of losing as a reason why people took their lists or avoid games. That resonated with me when I recalled this particular situation. I had been avoiding this player for so long because I didn't want to lose to someone with what I considered to be a whack list when it all cost player list. I had some twisted sense of moral superiority because my lists were narrative and balanced, which is a toxic attitude that took a long time to break from. The types of players I avoid now have nothing to do with how told their lists are. It's all about the player. If they're unable to consider the enjoyment of their opponent, I'm less interested. I don't want to get ground into pace by someone whose glee grows exponentially higher as my unit count rapidly clicks towards zero. I don't want to play against someone who gripes and moans every time they lose a unit. I like playing against people who are excited about the game. Units dying or surviving, making long charges, these are all fun and exciting moments regardless of whose unit it is. It's all about the communal experience at the table. And some players aren't there for whatever reason. You can always try to get someone to adhere to some list building restriction or alternative win condition, but if they aren't a fun opponent, then it won't matter. It's all about attitude in my opinion. Warmest regards, Jonathan, one-time best painted winner, one-time average John winner at Shorehammer. So let me try to respond to what you're saying. Uh, essentially, you're somewhat in agreement with me, but then you're basically giving an anecdote of how you actually had a really good game against someone who you would normally try to avoid, and that maybe I should learn a lesson and just take it on the chin, etc., etc., and honestly, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I've often, now you said a toxic attitude of uh, some false moral superiority, but the phrase I always used was hipster. You know, I, that's why I always say, oh, I'm such a hipster, because I think my way of playing is better than my opponent's way of playing if they play competitively, you know. But I, I would say that objectively, the the game is whatever you make it naturally, right? If you want to play hardcore and you want to be meta and you want to be whatever, that's the type of game that it's going to be. If you want to be narrative, that's the type of game it's going to be. I would like to think that if you are judging a game or even a hobby, right, you should probably go with the beginning of it as the baseline. The beginning of Wargaming was always extremely narrative and extremely like, oh, let's throw some dice and just have fun, right? Before the commercialization, like with Games Workshop and all of that, war games were literally, hey, I cut out some paper soldiers and you built a tank out of a tissue box and let's play and let's just roll some dice and see what happens, right? That was the, the underlining basis for war games. And then you start getting um, Panzer whatever there's a million different war games with the little chits the little punch out cardboard things and then um but once again it was always narratively driven right you weren't just going to make a list because oh this is the best thing and i want to win 
Sure, if you're playing uh, Napoleonic era history, historical war games, you're going to be saying, oh, well, let me see if I can make a different uh, outcome at Waterloo, right? Well, sure, okay, that's the challenge and whatever, but you're still being narratively restricted by whatever actually was on the battlefield at Waterloo, right? You can make different decisions, but it it's all ultimately restricted for you. There's no actual list building in that. And I think that's the heart of wargaming, uh, because that's where everything came from, right? With um, H.G. Wells' Little Wars was the first printed book of um, wargaming, and he's the guy that wrote War of the Worlds, obviously. So if you're basing it off of that, which is how I do, because even though it has evolved and it has become commercialized and now there's a competitive atmosphere, even Games Workshop themselves think that this game is a beer and pretzel thing. They say that all the time. When I spoke to Alan Merritt many times, he was constantly telling me how they were shocked at how competitive, hardcore people took their roles because really they were just trying to make fun roles. They weren't really trying to, they didn't really have competitiveness in mind. So the reason why I see competitiveness is somewhat of a bastardization of the spirit of the game is because even the rules writers themselves are shocked at how competitive and hyper tooled up and everything. If you're only looking at synergies and you're making your list out of not what is fun, not what is a model you just painted, not narratively, not what makes sense or whatever. No, if, if you are literally just making your lists because, oh, this multiplies that and that adds to that and I can reroll this and this and buffs that. And if you're literally doing that, there's nothing wrong with that, because clearly that's the evolution of what the game has become. But, in my opinion, that is not quite in the spirit of how Wargaming originally was, or still at the heart of it, I think it still is. I would probably say, I would go out on a limb and say there's far more narrative casual players than there are competitive players. Now, of course, competitive is a loaded word, how competitive is too competitive, etc., etc., but that is the reason why I've always felt that hipster, like, well, I just play for fun and for community. Meanwhile, these people aren't even worried about, oh, do aggressors, do they really hang out with uh, an executioner or, or whatever? You know, does this unit, does that make sense that they would actually make a detachment with this unit and that unit? Or is it more like, oh, this is the hotness right now. This is the thing that has to be nerfed but hasn't yet, so I'm going to take that because then I have an advantage on my opponent. And that, to me, is just... It's it's not cheating, but it's almost cheating the spirit of what the game is. Now, once again, you can't, you can't judge... You can't judge a uh, you know, 2023 Mustang on horse and carriage. You can't do that because it's, it's two different things. It has evolved and changed over time. So that's why I somewhat feel like my opinion might be a bit flawed on that because I am more of what I've said before, like a, I'm a historical gamer, except I don't play historical games. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to set up a scenario and make it narrative and, oh, I'm going to make, take this unit because it makes sense that they would be garrisoned in this type of area, et cetera, et cetera. But... Over time, of course, the game does evolve, and the commercialization of them wanting to push units and, and new models and all of that has produced this like consumerism mentality in all of us, and I've fallen for it, victim, just like everyone else has. But that's my reason for thinking that it's not in the spirit of the game, and it's no fun for me, because I would probably be way more at home with the historical crowd 
because they're not trying to kick each other's teeth in because they took some broken thing that hasn't yet been nerfed. They're literally trying to play out stuff. So I probably should just play historicals, but I have no interest in historicals. So that's how that goes. Um, but the play style of historicals and the heart of real wargaming is really what uh, the, the way that I play. But I would say that you're probably right that um, I don't know about toxic is the phrase, but definitely my opinion is probably skewed and it's probably not completely fair to the competitive people because, I mean, what is the harm in being competitive unless the harm is to the opposite player? So I'm probably just saying that my outlook is not compatible with those people. And that's why I would rather just avoid them because they are... I've said before that my pride in wargaming is to outmaneuver and outthink and tactically beat my opponent. Okay? You could you could make my list for me and I would enjoy it just as much. Matter of fact, I might enjoy it more than if I made my own list because it's a challenge for me to try to beat my opponent with what I have, right? That is what war war is. I mean, whatever units and whatever you have on hand in the situation you find yourself in, that's what you got to deal with. I mean, so that that is tactics and leadership and, and being a good general. That is what I'm all about. I really don't like the idea that you can actually take your own stuff because, and I'm being, I'm talking in platitudes here. I'm being a little hyperbolic, but to be able to take your own list, what what army hardly ever finds itself in real life being able to take exactly the units they wanted because those units are so darn good and they set the battlefield exactly how they wanted. That doesn't, in history, that has hardly ever happened. It's more like, oh shit, we just passed this ridgetop and there's the enemy. Okay, well, let's take inventory of the units we do have and see how we can beat them. I feel like I've been a little long-winded on this, but I do agree with you that you can have good games, and it really probably is about the attitude of the player versus what they bring. I guess what I'm saying at the core is that I'm just not super compatible, and I'm getting less and less compatible with that type of person. So I would rather just not play them, because I know it's going to be miserable, and it's kind of like bringing a knife to a gunfight, right? So I'm, I'm bringing a knife, because this knife is pretty, and I like it, and I've never used this knife before, and I thought it would be fun. Meanwhile, the dude's got a cannon. It's like, it's just not, it's just not going to be fun. So, anyway, I do respect your opinion, and I do agree with you, and I'm probably a little off base, but it doesn't matter. That's the way I feel, and, you know, your hobby is your hobby. you got to make it your own. So thank you for writing in, Jonathan. Our next email let's see, is from, why is this not opening, is from CJ. He writes, Hi, Pimpcron. My comment is on your last topic about being more choosy in who you play against. I understand your position, but I have a different point of view. Is your neglecting to play them just pushing them off to all the other players in your group? How does this impact them? If playing these people is a lot like hot potato each week, then aren't you making the frequency of hot potato more frequent for the other players? It seems like you and your group are in the same boat and dreading to play these people, so your leaving the pool of players makes it harder for everyone else. I do agree that the hardcore players are being selfish, but I also agree that you're being a bit selfish as well. Just my two thoughts, CJ. So, I said myself that yes, my it's kind of like... You know, at some point, 
you got to take up for yourself in life, right? You can run yourself ragged. You can do everything for everyone. You can take care of your parents, take care of your siblings and take care of like volunteer work in your community and then work hard and work a hard job and you work, you know, a ton of hours a week and you never take a vacation because all these people depend on you. But at some point, you've just got to be like, you know what? I have to do something for me. And I feel like a, the hobby is a bit like that. The hobby should be somewhat self-serving. You should enjoy yourself. And if I'm going to face these people, I'm either going to change the format or I'm just not going to play them. It's just, it's just what it is. Because we have different... We're not very compatible. These hyper-competitive people are just not very compatible with my play style. So, um, and there are more competitive people. So it's not just me and a bunch of sheep in this, this flock, right? And we've got two wolves in the group. That's not exactly it. We've got some people that are more competitive. We've got some people that are, um, you know, like the kids, they're, they're not competitive. They just don't know. And they're young. So we generally protect them. The, the people that are the lower skill level or that are more casual, we kind of protect them from the wolves in our group, basically. Um, so there is, but the problem is that does limit the number of players that will play these competitives. So a lot of times I try to pit these competitives against each other because that kills two birds with one stone and the rest of everyone's free to actually enjoy their night. Now, there are a couple players like my friend Nick that do like to play more competitively and I'm sure they have great games with these more competitive players. So that's, it's not necessarily me abandoning my whole group out of selfishness. It is that I'm I'm much lower on the spectrum of competitiveness. And even James, James is more like me, but he can also cry, you know? And uh, I would hate to say it, but James's time is not quite as important to him as mine is <laughs> to me. And I would, uh, I hate to say that, but just, I mean, it just isn't. He spends his time doing all sorts of stupid crap that wastes his time personally. So I'm like, I, I really don't think... Like, for instance, and I'm not dissing James, right? But all the time, many, many times, he has started a game, a 3,000-point game, and he's only got an hour to play it. Well, I'm like, dude, you're not even going to finish the game. You're just wasting your time. You're going to get one or one and a half turns into it, and you got to pack up. Like, I would just play a smaller game. And he's like, oh, no, 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 we're going to play 3,000. Well, then, come the end of that hour, I'm like, Oh, really? So, um, how far did you get in that game? And he's like, uh, like one turn. I'm like, why did you even play that? And he's like, oh, I don't care. I'm like, okay, well, you know, my, my, I want some sort of resolution to my game. So my, my time is much more precious to me. I got a lot of stuff going on and his is like, he does, he just doesn't care that much. And, and I'm, that's not a diss on him at all. It's just two different points of view. And also maybe a flip side of that is James's optimism. He always goes into these games going, oh, I don't care. Let's just throw some dice. And then he gets crushed. And then he's kind of depressed. And he didn't enjoy himself. And the game sucked. But the very next time, he's not learned any lesson. The very next time, he goes, oh, yeah, I'll play them. Oh, yeah, oh, it's no problem. I'll play them. It's no problem at all. And then he gets crushed and he's miserable and whatever. Whereas I have done that enough times that I'm like, you know what? I'm just not doing it at all. That's where I'm cutting it off. Anyway, thank you for uh, writing in, CJ. I do appreciate it. Let's go to the next one. And uh, the next one is Jamie J. Hey, Pimpcron. I agree with you on whack players. Fuck them. Maybe if everyone stops playing them, they will leave or change. People like this make the hobby sketchy at best and miserable at worst. Total toxic game club effect. 
That's why I play at home with a select few. I don't even bother going to the store anymore. Never regretted it. Keep up the good work. Jamie J. Well, there's not much I need to respond to that, but thank you very much for, uh, Jamie, for at least seeing my point of view here. And let's get on to uh, Matt. He writes, Hey, Mr. Cron, not sure I agree with you about the competitives. I think that you just got to man up and play them if they're not cheating. I do get your point, though, and I'm sure it's not fun, but how does everyone else put up with it? I enjoy your show. No hate, just not agreeing. Matt. Uh, I kind of already explained that. So there are people that are, you know, it's a, it's a spectrum of different play styles. And there are, you know, 30%, maybe 50% of my gaming group really don't mind playing competitively. They're kind of like in between, whereas I'm falling, falling right off the, the wagon as far as ever wanting to play any of these types of people. Now, here's the next email. It's from Grendel. And technically, this is a messenger message because he emailed me about the Barb Gaunts. But anyway, we'll get to that anyway. So he writes, um, I, I commented on his and said, I was surprised to read that it, your message was about the Gaunts and not the controversial statement I made about whack players. And Grendel replies, yeah, I thought about that. Really, it is your time as much as theirs. If they're no fun to play against, then don't play. I can see if they are practicing for a tournament, but if they come to just wreck face week in and week out, then they need to find a more competitive group. I know that his old group has had to ask some people not to come back since they could not come down to the meta level of his uh, group of players. I said, wow, although I'm not surprised. He said, if you are playing hard and using all the newest overpowered things against a casual player, it doesn't help them to just go through the motions, and it doesn't help you to work on tactics and strategies, since you're just wrecking face and tabling them in a few turns. He continues, I have had a game against that guy. I held my own and gave myself an objective like kill a model or last three turns or play keep away. When you skip shooting and run away and try to hide, they sometimes get the picture. Or play Oops All Grots or Necron Warriors or Gene Stealer Cults so they will kill something. When they kill something, they just come back. Well, the Grots don't come back, but 2,000 points of Grots <laughs> is a ton of Grots for them to chew through. And then finally, the other correspondents I have were either via Instagram uh, messaging or um, uh, Facebook Messenger. And I've got a Chris that basically says, I agreed with you. I've got a Christopher. Man, I hear that. I know about playing them all too well, man. And then Darius, you've got my vote. And then Mike, I agree with you. So uh, not everybody clearly agrees with me. And I figured it may be a bit uh, divisive, but it's it's just true. And that's my, my personal take on this. Okay, since we've already got uh, Grendel on the line here with this email we already read from them, let's go ahead and see what he says. Good morning, O Glorious One. It is I, your humble servant, Grendel. I heard on your holy transmission your displeasure of the new released Barb Gaunts. I, too, am unhappy with this concept and even more dismayed the Games Workshop is placing a similar cannon on the lowly Termagant. If you would want to use this unit in your creative musings where you lower yourself to entertain us, your lowly subjects, I suggest to you an alternative to these abominations. Puppets War has created a version of this model where it is symmetrical. They look like mini biovores and have the cannon properly on the back of the creature. You can find the files for them here. Uh, it's my mini factory, whatever. Um, Puppets War will sometimes place, uh, print the files and sell them on their page. This way you can order, order them physically. Until then, maybe you can get one of us humble followers who has the file or who can obtain the file to print some out for you. Thank you for gracing me with your time, and I look forward to your next holy transmission. Cryptech Grendel. 
Loser of all short hammer events. <laughs> uh, P.S. The reason all the WAC players talk about these guys is because they can slow down your enemy units. If an enemy is hit by the guns, they're minus two to move, run, charge rolls. So they're helpful when you're wanting board control. Also, if they stand still, they're ballistic skill three, but the zero AP means that they're not removing units when they shoot. Yeah, I didn't even look at their um, special abilities. I was just looking at their weapons because just James had already uh, clarified that for me about the um, minus two movement and run and all that. And that actually seems kind of cool. And these models that Grendel sent me look pretty darn cool. I mean, they, they look like what you think a barb gaunt would look like and maybe i could get a unit of them or whatever um i actually didn't even know that was in the meta talk as far as uh you know oh that's the, the hot new thing it's a shame that doesn't stack i'm sure it doesn't because that'd be really cool if you could get like three barb gaunt units and just minus six to people's movement that would be that would be uh, a real pain so thanks for sharing with me uh those files grendel or that link to the files and um, that, if I do get barb gaunts, that's probably what I'm going for because the GW models are completely ball drop scenario. They have dropped the ball on those models, in my opinion. And I almost forgot we have another message from Constantine over at Instagram. And he writes, listen to your recent episode. My local gaming store has a guy and his bestie who are miserable to play against. Warhammer is new to the shop. Myself and a friend started a club and we began with a narrative campaign, which the competitive dude proceeded to ruin with his lists and attitude. He had quote-unquote chaos, sisters of battle, and noise marines combined together somehow. Then, most recently, we started a combat patrol league, which I thought would eliminate his ability to ruin games with his lists. But no, him and his friend continue to argue with you every time you try to do something cool, but then play fast and loose with the rules when it benefits them. I choose not to play them, but so far I've avoided having to tell them that, lol. Yeah, Constantine, I completely know what you mean. Um, there's a lot of those people, especially the most competitive, most annoying people, are always very quick to call you out on something, or make sure that you're not doing something out of line, or, or whatever, and then they're going to turn right around and do that exact thing. And it's like... There's some sort of phrase I'm missing here, but it's some sort of phrase where a thief expects everyone to be a thief. You know, a cheater expects everyone to be a cheater, that sort of thing. And um, it does seem to ring true because I've had some people that, and I, even if they're not intentionally trying to cheat, they are cheating or they're like, you know, oh, their six inch model uh, movement model moves seven inches or six and a half inches instead. You know, they do like those little things or... You know, oh, they actually need like a nine and a half for the charge. And they'll be like, oh, oh, yeah, um, I need an eight. Like they just add, you know, they they measure really quick so that nobody sees it. And they're just in their head. They want the outcome to be beneficial to them so much that they're willing to actually tweak it in their favor. And which, of course, is cheating, even if they don't recognize that. We have one player in our group, which once again is a totally fine guy, but he always brings cheese and He'll be like, you forget to do something in your command phase and now it's your movement phase. And you're like, hey, do you mind if I do my command? Oh, no, no. Command phase is over. So as soon as you move to model, your command phase is over. And we're like, oh, OK, I guess that's the way we're playing. And then he will turn right around and go, oh, I forgot to do my psychic powers. And this is prior to 10th edition. Um, oh, I forgot to do my psychic powers. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and do them now. And you got to be like, whoa, hold on. Didn't you already move? Then I or, or didn't you already shoot? Then 
I feel like you've done your psychic powers, you know, and you ha- and then he goes, oh, okay, okay, but it nothing stopped him from trying it himself, but then he'd stop you from doing it, you know, it's just whatever, man, but thank you for writing in, Constantine. Anyway, thank you to everyone who messaged me. Um, I am hoping I did not forget somebody across all the different platforms or whatever, but thank you for chiming in. And um, thank you for being, for feeling free to be honest with me, even when you don't agree with me. You know, that's, I'm really happy with that open discourse between me and the listeners and all that, because um, that's what I enjoy is the feedback and all of that. And this might be the, the most feedback I've gotten from literally any segment I've ever done. So anyway, thank you to gamemat.eu for supporting the show and panhandled3d.etsy.com and my beautiful, sexy, good smell and Patreon patrons like Grendel. Thank you all for supporting the show. I'll see you next week. 